Hey, welcome. Thanks for being here. We really are glad you took some time out of your week to be with us. Before we jump into our message this morning, I want to give another quick update on where we are at in terms of our transition. If this is your first time here, let me give you the two-second rundown. Um, We are in the midst of a transition as a campus as we will be closing down this location here in the next couple months, two, three months, something like that. Still figuring that date out. But we are launching a new campus in Idlewild Elementary sometime this fall. And I shared a few weeks back just kind of one of the things that I was thinking through and processing is, is particular dates of transition and, and how we best set ourselves up to prepare and plan for Ottawa. So I want to give you a quick update on, on what that's going to look like. Um, I've been processing and praying a lot. We really are striving to launch Idlewild in the early fall. That's not a definitive, but it's something that we are really working towards. So to do that well, we really need to start focusing on building our core team and getting things ready. We've, we've got a lot of little things to do. We have a lot of big things to do in order to launch a campus. So um, one of the things that we will be doing is that starting in August, we are going to move to one service, and we are going to keep this service. So hopefully for all of you, it's like, great, that doesn't change me a bit. So I'm, I'm curious how this will be received next hour for our 10, 1030 people. Or you may be here and you're like, I kind of like having a little bit of room here. It will be a little crowded <laughs> come August. We're going to have to add in chairs. Um, I know that's another change. I know that's another thing that we've added. But I really feel it's the right decision for us. One of the things that we're going to do in August is we will have our 9 o'clock service. We will just like we're doing now. But what we're going to do afterwards is we're going to invite the Idlewild team, those of you here maybe this morning, to come and come to the school that morning at 11 where we're going to do trainings. We're going to have kind of mini services where we're going to really build our core launch team. So although we're taking away one service here, we're kind of adding a unique service over at Idlewild Elementary as well in August. So I want you to be aware of that. That will be starting the first Sunday. I think it's August 4th or 5th, one of those. So if you have any questions about that, please let me know. Uh, and thank you for your understanding. Uh, I know this has been a big season of change for us. So, uh, oh, one clarifying thing too, uh, for families, normal children's program as it is now through f- uh, five years old as we will keep that for our nine o'clock service as well. Hey, will you pray with me as we jump into our time this morning? God, I, I never want to take for granted just this time. I, I know it's an hour a week um, and it's certainly not meant to just be seen as an event. God, this is, a, this is a unique time where we get to come together as believers to be with one another, encourage one another, and ultimately learn about who you are. And we do that through song. We do that through opening your word in so many other ways. And I'm just thankful for that. Thank you for all the people that are here. Thank you for the many things you give us, most of all, your son. And God, I hope that this morning that we would walk away with an even greater understanding and appreciation of who he is and what he means to our lives. God, I love you. I love you so much. It's in your son's name. Amen. All right, nine o'clock. We're going we're gonna to see how awake you are this morning. I, um, I don't know about you. I love quotes. I love short, memorable quotes. I grew up with a lot of them. I, I find myself repeating a lot of them as an adult, but 
I, I wanted to run some examples by you, and I, I want to see how well you can finish these. So we'll start off kind of simple, right? If it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it, all right? If it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, and it walks like a duck, it's a, it's a duck. Actions speak louder than, okay, that one's easy. If you can't beat them, all right, I know these are pretty simple. Absence makes the heart grow. Oh, wow, okay, I thought that one might be a little harder. All right, sure. And then one of my personal favorites, fortune favors the the bold. Okay, finally, there's one at least that not everybody knew. Yeah, fortune favors the bold. Um, I, I really do. I love these quotes. I love processing them. I love bringing them up in conversation. I often remember them at times. And, and I, I think one of the things I appreciate about things like this is a lot of times they bring wisdom to us, right? It is good to think about, hey, if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Fortune favors the bold. There, there's, we find wisdom in these short little sayings. And I, and I suppose that explains why I appreciate the book of Proverbs so much, it's, it's a book that is filled with short sayings like this. And if you've ever read it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, filled with this great wisdom. But the difference, of course, in the book of Proverbs as opposed to the ones that I just shared is that the short sayings that we find in the book of Proverbs come directly from God. And I, I've found myself remembering how valuable these things are. About once a year, I find myself reading through the book of Proverbs, and that's what I've kind of been doing this summer. As I get into bed, I, I read one, and I read it about three or four times just to get it into my head. There's, there's so much great stuff in there. But the book of Proverbs, as a lot of us know, it's, it's a literature book. It's, it's, a, it's a wisdom literature book dedicated towards helping us understand what wisdom is and where it comes from, how do we obtain it. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because my guess is that all of us in this room, whether we acknowledge it or not, want to make more wise decisions in life. We, we want to know how to make the best decisions as we face so many different circumstances in our life. Every one of us in this room is going through something. And it may be, you may be on the positive end of the spectrum, you may be on the more negative, or you may be somewhere in the middle, but all of us are facing something in life, and I think all of us would agree that we want to know how to best handle it. What is the wisest, best approach when we come into it? And as we're going to see today, as we see throughout Scripture for that matter, but particularly in in, in Proverbs and other wisdom books is that God desires this for us. God desires us to be wise people, to live, to live wise lives. But what I want to do today, what I hope that we see and understand, is that wisdom from God is something much deeper than learning life principles or memorizing short little sayings that we apply to our lives. Rather, as we will see, Wisdom has nothing to do with how much we know or how skilled in life we are. Wisdom is about an attitude that we choose. I'll say it one more time. Wisdom has nothing to do with how much we know or how skilled in life we are. Rather, wisdom is about an attitude that we choose, and I'll hope to unpack that. So we're going to be in the book of Proverbs today. If you want to go ahead and go there, we're going to be in chapter 3 today. If you don't have a copy of the Scripture and you would like one, Go ahead and raise your hand, and one of our host team will be glad to bring you one of our copies as well. But we're going to be in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, and it's a verse that I'd be willing to bet that um, the majority of people in this room have heard. In fact, I'm going to say that 
the verses that we're going to look at in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I would say are probably in the top 10 most famous verses in the entire Bible, certainly within the book of Proverbs itself. And yet, here's how I, how I break it down, though. Most have heard the, these two verses that we're going to look at. Many of you have memorized these verses, and yet, I'll say this, all of us struggle with these verses, and I'll uh, unpack that as we get it. So we're going to be in, in Proverbs chapter 3, and, and I, I want to do a little more setting up of some context here before we really jump into it. So w- when we begin to look at wisdom according to the scripture, we need to have a, a kind of a working definition moving forward. And so the first time we see the word wisdom, interestingly enough, in the Bible is in the book of Exodus. When God is, is giving instructions to what the building of the tabernacle and the priestly garments would look like. If you read through Exodus, you read that God, he says, here's what I want it to look like. And you discover that what God is envisioning is something very incredible. It's ornate. The average person would not be able to build and construct what God is calling them to do. And so in the book of Exodus, he's commanding them, here's what I want you to do. And he says, the verse is gone, and they say, to do that, God gifted certain people with a skill to do it. So the very first time we see this word wisdom come up is in Exodus. And God says, I give a skill. So when we look at the word wisdom in the Old Testament, wisdom is simply this. It is a skill given by God. Now, when when you... Fast forward to the book of Proverbs, it's the exact same word, it's the exact same thing, a skill, but it's in a different context. Because in the book of Proverbs, the skill is not to know how to construct a tabernacle or, or put together priestly garments as we see. Rather, in Proverbs, wisdom is a skill given by God for the purpose of holy living. Okay, Wisdom for our lives is a skill that helps us stay in line with the design God has given us and what it means to pursue him. It's a skill for holy living, okay? Many of you know, if you've read through the book of Proverbs, Proverbs has two paths, okay? The author Solomon lays out this running theme throughout it that says, okay, really in life you're given two paths. And the first path is the path of life, that is characterized by wisdom or that is characterized by skillful, holy lives. And the second path is the path of death or destruction that is characterized by the complete opposite of wisdom, foolishness. The key, though, is that the wise path comes directly from the Lord. And it's important to remember this. It's important to remember that wisdom comes directly from God because that's kind of countercultural, isn't it? We often associate wisdom with age. We like to think that having more experiences in life, the older that we get, the more wise we become. However, when we look at Scripture, that's not necessarily true. You may, in fact, have more experience in life, but it doesn't mean that you are living skillful, holy lives just because you are older. As we'll see, it comes fully from God. So, we come back to this quote again. Wisdom has nothing to do with how much we know, how skilled in life we are, 
Rather, when we talk about wisdom from the biblical perspective, wisdom is about an attitude that we choose. Okay, so as we, let's look at Proverbs 3 as, as we're kind of setting this up. Let me, let me give you a quick backdrop of the first two chapters. As I said, the book of Proverbs is written by King Solomon, considered one of the wisest people there was. And in the first two chapters, he sets up this, these two paths of, of life and death, foolishness and wisdom. And he's imploring the readers to pursue the wise path. Reject foolishness at all costs, right? And then we get to chapter 3, and Solomon is continuing this idea of, of, hey, whatever you do, keep pursuing the wise path. So let's look at Proverbs 3, starting in verse 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. It says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For lengths of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So Solomon, he, once again, he's, he's further imploring his reader, hey, please take what I'm saying seriously. Solomon recognizes that all of these things that he's writing are coming from the Lord. He's just simply writing them down. But he says, don't forget them do whatever you can to make them a part of your life. Wrap them around your neck. Write them on your heart. Anything that you can do to solidify them. But it's verse 5 and 6 that we get to. The most famous verses in the book. And, I, and as I said, I think some of the most famous and most important verses in the entire Bible. I think it's also the two verses that lay the very foundation of the book of Proverbs. Let's read this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That very phrase, trust in the Lord, is the foundation of this entire book. But notice something here. Beyond Solomon's desire for us to gain wisdom, beyond his desire for us to live holy lives, he's pushing us to, to see and pursue what is ultimately the message of the entire Bible, which is this phrase, trust in the Lord. If you were to pick a, a summary phrase for the Bible, I think you could argue this could be it. I think there's some other ones, but I really think you could say, what, if you had to create a theme that would summarize the entire book, what could it be? I would argue trust in the Lord. You see, trusting in the Lord is at the core of everything. It's at the core of who we are as people. It's at the core of this book. In fact, every single book that you read in, this, in the Bible talks about trusting in the Lord in some way or form. It is repeated over and over again and Solomon says that the person who truly wishes to be wise in life will acknowledge this. And that's where they will begin this path of wisdom by saying, I'm trusting in the Lord with all our hearts. It's a very simple, straightforward phrase, but in it lies what I believe is one of our great problems. And I think the older we get, by the way, interestingly enough, I think the harder this verse can become. Many of you know that I've been 
I've been involved in student and children's ministry for years, and every single curriculum that I've ever looked at for children's and students brings this verse in somehow, and, we, and it should. And it's amazing that when I talk this with kids, how simple it seems to come across to them. Sure, trust in the Lord. I know, sure, I can, give, I can give God everything. And yet I think as we grow older, this verse becomes harder for us. We push this verse off aside, and we struggle with, why am I, I want to become wise, I want to live skillful lives, but I'm having trouble. I've been processing this statement a lot, and the more I think about it, the more I, I believe it to be true. As we talk about the struggle of what it means to trust in the Lord, Here's what I, I, my kind of main point today I want to talk with you about. The hardest thing you and I will ever face is choosing to trust the Lord with all our heart. I'll say it again. The hardest thing that you and I will face is whether or not we choose to trust the Lord with all our heart. And here's why. Despite all of the tragedies that you may face in life or may currently be in, Despite all the difficult events, the temptations, the, the struggles that you're going through, and even all of the good things that are happening in your life or have happened, this verse calls us to say, in all of it, we're laying it down before the Lord and saying, God, I trust you with every bit of it. With the outcome, with the process, all of it, God, I say, I'm trusting in you. But notice, to do this, it doesn't mean we trust him with some of our heart. To do this, it doesn't mean that we trust him only with the things that we do not know. We don't come to him and say, okay, God, I've got about 75% of my life figured out. Could you give me help in about the other 25%? By the way, that's what I'm most guilty of. I got the rest of this. God, could you just help me with the parts that I don't understand? And to do this doesn't mean we trust in our own wisdom. This verse says, no, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All things, give it to him. See, the struggle is, this goes against our very sinful nature. Another way of seeing this or, or seeing why this is a struggle is this phrase. To trust God means to give up control. God, don't you just love saying that word control? Don't you just love thinking about it? None of us like to give up control. I have been accused, and rightly so, I have been accused on about three or four times in my life when people said, Travis, you're a control freak. Fair enough. I'm not proud of that, by the way. But you know what? I'd be willing to bet that all of us are. And some of us live it out more overtly, but none of us like to give up control, do we? we would much prefer to lean on our own understandings. Control is an idol to us. And as a matter of fact, I'll go far as to say this. I think control is our most common and coveted idol. I've said this before, that, that pride is the root of all sin and that it's, we're, we're always motivated by what we think is best. But control is pride's best friend and hired hit gun. Control becomes our most common. Where pride is at the root of all sin, control becomes the most common. We hate to give up control. We don't want any sense that somebody else 
is in control of our lives. But understand something here. Understand what these verses, what the book of Proverbs, what the entire Bible for that matter is trying to help us understand. God is inviting us to something far better. You see, God knows our inabilities. He knows our shortcomings. He knows that no matter how much we seek to control, we will always come up short. We will always be lacking in our efforts. Our wisdom, our understandings, our skills in life has limits. God does not. Our wisdom, through our wisdom, we make mistakes over and over again. And yet we would still sometimes rather do that than give up control. And yet, when we begin to realize our lacking, when we are finally brought to this place where we realize we simply cannot handle all that life is throwing at us, this is where we begin to see the beauty of the Lord. This is where we can begin opening our path to the one that God has laid for us, the path of wisdom. We begin to put aside our own understandings and we realize that to trust God, we cannot trust ourselves. To trust God means that we cannot trust ourselves. There's probably more, um, but as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about why is it that we struggle so bad with control? Why is it that we struggle with this idea of wanting to trust in the Lord? I kind of came up with three main reasons why. And like I said, I think there's probably more, but here's here's the, the, the top three. The first, of course, is our very own sinful nature. We are the byproducts of this. It is already written into us that we will struggle with this. The second, as I said, is our own pride, right? Why We just simply don't want to give this up. We want to remain in control. But the third reason that I thought of, the third reason I believe is fear. I'm amazed at the power of fear in our lives. I'm amazed how much we are motivated and driven by the desire to avoid fear in our life. 2019 for me has been a, it's been a year. <laughs> um, wow, I, um, my son was born in February. You know, my son who's now four and a half months old. Um, I knew prior to that, I, I knew about the changes coming here. But nonetheless, I'm experiencing the change with all of you with this campus. So I, I've had a, a newborn. I've had my job title has changed. The, the location to which that I will do my job is changing. I'm la- we're launching this new campus. There's been a lot of change in my life. And, and people often ask, well, how, where are you at? How are you feeling? And I, and, I, and I mean this when I say this. I'm like, it's amazing. It's fun and exciting. I, I love being a dad. I love getting to be a pastor. I love getting to do what I'm doing at this very moment. And so there's a lot of excitement, but can I just be honest with you for a sec? There's days where I look and I say, this is, I don't, this is too much. I'm I'm nervous. How how in the world, God, am I supposed to do all this? I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good pastor. I want to continue my ministry that uh, a lot of you know I, I, I do things with the police department. I, I want to continue doing these things, and I want to do them well. And yet I look at the whole package. I look at what all has to happen in order to do that, and I, sit, and I get in my own head. And I think, how? Doubt begins to creep in. And yet, 
That's, that's why I like these verses. Because what God is calling us to do is say, it begins in your heart. It begins with your attitude. Am I willing to trust God with all that? Am I willing to lay aside my own understanding, my own desire to control all of those things in my life, and just simply say that, God, I know that you're fully capable. Help me to know what it means to be faithful to listen to you as you're guiding me down this path. Look again at verse 6 here. When we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, we don't lean on understanding. Look what he does. God says, in all your ways acknowledge him. And what does he do? He directs our paths. God knows the path ahead of me. He knows all that comes before it. He knows all of the twists and turns. He knows all of the detours. He knows all of the potholes. He knows all of the nails in the road, everything. And he says, I got this. Trust in me. I can take care of this. Don't miss this. Okay, This is something that I think it's easy to, to do in this. God wants to enter into relationship with us. He wants to be a part of all aspects of our lives. He's not just this king that sits in a room that we come to and say, God, can you help me with this? Thank you. I'll be on my merry way. We often see this in, in movies and stuff, right, where we see the king and he's sitting on the throne and, you, and the people walk in because they, they've been given an invitation and they come to the king and, and he says, sure, here's what you need, go forth. That's not how God works. God is not just the king who sits on the throne. He says, bring all things before me, now take my hand and I'm going to walk with you. That's the personable God. He doesn't just want us to come to him and say, God, I need help. He, he wants us to come and say, God, I need help. And will you show me? And he says, yeah, I got you. Let, let me show you. Let me walk you down this path. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk shoulder to shoulder with you the whole time. As I said earlier, there's something greater than achieving wisdom. And it's gaining this personal experience with God to trust him in all things. And that's why I think it's easy to say this. That the wisest decision that you and I will ever make in life is trusting in the Lord. The wisest decision we can ever make is to trust in the Lord for all things. You know what the greatest part about all this, though, is? As we look at the book of Proverbs and we fast forward into the New Testament, something that even Solomon himself was not privy to yet, is that when we talk about wisdom now, as we begin to unpack it and what it looks like in our lives, you know what's amazing? is that wisdom became and still is fully personified in the person of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 30. It says this, And because of him, that is Christ, you are in Christ. All right, that, that phrase, in Christ, well, it's an identity statement. It's Paul's favorite one that he uses. It's this idea that to be in Christ is to be found in him to identify with, with, with who he is. And he says, so because of Christ, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You know what's amazing is that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we get to benefit from the person that he is, one of which is his wisdom. 
The New Testament teaches over and over again this idea that we have all that we need in Jesus. Apostle Paul talks about in Colossians, right, that Jesus is the the firstborn of all. He is the fulfillment of all things. In him we have everything, life, redemption, grace, forgiveness, eternal life, wisdom. Here's what's interesting to me. The path to Jesus begins the exact same way that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is. Where Proverbs, where Solomon says that the path of wisdom begins by trusting in the Lord, guess where the path to Jesus begins? Trusting in him. The Bible says that each and every one of us in this room and beyond are invited into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we we are invited in that by grace through faith alone. You know what another word for faith is? Trust. The Apostle John talks about it in this way. When he's talking about the, what it, how we entered into it, the Apostle John says, trust in the Lord. It's the exact same idea that the path to Jesus begins simply with trust. And just like in Proverbs, Jesus says the exact same thing to us. He says, I want you to trust in me, and I don't want you to trust part of me. I don't want you to trust and only the things that you don't understand, what does Jesus call us to? He says, I want your entire heart. I want every bit of it. And when you do that, I will show you the path that I've laid out for you. I'll end with this. As I, as I said at the beginning, I think all of us in this room, we want and we need wisdom in our life. Some of you are in the midst of a struggle right now. And I don't know what that is. Some of you may be in, in a temptation or a sin in your life that seems to be controlling you. Maybe you're, you're dealing with a difficult relationship. Maybe that's at work. Maybe that's at home. Maybe you're just simply dealing with uncertainty in your life. Please hear me when I say this, and, and I, I, I wish I had a mirror because I would say this to myself over and over again. All of these things are too big for you to handle on your own. We simply cannot handle all that life has to throw at us, but we like to think we can. And we like to hold on to that element of control as long as we can. And yet Jesus says, give it to me. Give it to, I can, I can take care of it. I know all things. I can do all things. Trust in me. So I'll leave you with a couple challenges. One, have you trusted in Jesus? Have you began that path today? Have you simply acknowledged who Jesus is, God himself that died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sin and was raised three days later? The Bible says we enter into this personal relationship by simply acknowledging that and trusting Jesus for all things. Do we need to remind ourselves of that today for those of you who do know Jesus? And the second is this. Is there something you need to give him today? Is there something in your life where you know, I'm trying to control that? And I, and I like to mask it in that I'm just, I, I'm really, I say that, well, I'm just trying to do the best thing I can, but really, if I, if I break it down, I'm trying to control it. Is there something that you need to give to Jesus today? Let's take some time and let's pray, and we'll end our time with that. Father, I, I love these verses, but as I'm reminded, I, I know how difficult they are. I know how difficult it is to simply say that 
I'm trusting in you for all things because, God, I, I don't like to do that sometimes. I like to feel in control. I like to have at least the illusion of knowing where I'm going and, and how I'm going to get there. And yet, God, that's not what you called us to. You, you have such a greater path laid out before us. You have the path of wisdom, the path of life, and it begins with this personal relationship with you. God, help us to pursue that today. Help us to recognize the areas in our life where we truly are trying to control things. And God, may, may you forgive us of that, but also help us in knowing how to give that over to you. God, we want to be wise people, and we want to know what that looks like. You said in the book of James that if, if any of us needs wisdom, we are to ask the generous God and he will give it to you. You will not rebuke us for asking, but when we do ask you, we are to ask that our faith is in you alone. God, when we trust in you, help us to truly do that. Help us to give all of our hearts to you, recognizing that you are the amazing, compassionate, merciful, forgiving, all-knowing God who desires so much good for us. We love you, and we thank you. It's in your son's name. Amen.